0: to a Friday edition of Give him Hell Brigham. This is going to be a solo show today. Uh, for one, the internet is out of my house, so thank you Cox Communication for not doing your job. And two, Jeff, we wish him good luck. That makes it sound like he's leaving. He is not leaving us forever. Jeff is working on a very big pitch for the new product that he launched at his real job, his big boy job. And has to get a bunch of sign-offs on going and taking a trip down to Texas and related to that. So he's got a whole mess of things going on. And so he asked me to cover solo today because he it's been one of those 70, 80-hour weeks for him. Trying to get this wrapped up before his trip next week. So best of luck to Jeff. And we want to welcome our new listeners. Uh, we had, with the Dallin Holker news, we had a flurry of new subscribers, new listeners. We welcome all of you. Uh, If you are new to the show and this is your first time, my name is Garrett McClintock. You can find me on twitters.com at at McClintock, And my normal co-host is Jeff Hansen, uh, who's at Rakudu 10 that's R-A-K-O-T-O, some Malagasy, I don't know, some fake made-up African language that Jeff pretends to speak. It's a word in that. and we are Give Him Hell Brigham. And you can join us on our website, com. Join us on our Discord. There's a link at the top of the website. And we also, well, by we, I mean mostly Jeff, also runs the CougarsportsInsider.com as part of the 24 7 network. And we are glad that you are here. And if you happen to be one of my wife's friends that are visiting this weekend for her birthday, who also is a former volleyball player I do apologize that we do not cover the women's volleyball team as much because frankly I just don't know anything about volleyball so there's nothing for me to talk about um so again this is a little bit weird that the solo shows are always always a different dynamic I always have to keep telling myself to slow down and not talk too fast I have the problem of my mind running a million miles an hour um but we, we do have things, I do have a couple things to talk about that we're going to hit today and it, it will be, it'll probably be a shorter show because Jeff won't be going off the rails and I won't be rambling on and on and on when he starts something that I want to talk about and the the back and forth, it, it does make it a little more concise. Um, but before we jump into that, we do want to give a shout out to our subscriber uh, nick condor who is a, a very frequent regular on the discord who welcomed his firstborn son into the world today and on nick he did make the questionable life choice of marrying a utah fan and but his son was born today just in time to be able to watch the cougars play tomorrow so i'm we're gonna i'm going to take that as a sign that even though he made questionable decisions in who he married there is still a path of repentance for him as a father to teach his son and raise him up in the way in which he should go. So, congrats to you, Nick, and we do have something in the mail for you. It should be in the mail for the next couple of days um, for your little one from GEHB. Now, the big news of this week is clearly, well, last week, we, we didn't do our recap show. Uh, There's nothing to talk about that game. It was awful. I didn't watch the film. You know, I, just, I just threw that away, pretending it didn't happen because... There's nothing meaningful as a fan that you can get from it other than more frustration. So let's talk about the news of this week, which is obviously the Dallin Holker situation. Um, This is something that somebody reached out to Jeff and I, uh, to me and Jeff, sorry. Um, Someone reached out to me and Jeff, and then Jeff and I started asking around about it on Tuesday night. And then Wednesday morning, the rumors grew a little louder. And then it, by Wednesday night, it became clear that it was official. It was not just a rumor um, that he was upset with how how things were being run in the program and didn't feel like his skills were being utilized. And there have been a lot of BYU fans who have, you know, looked back at, you know, we are tight end you. You look at, you know, Clay Brown, Johnny Harley, Dennis Pitta, Byron Rex, and, you know, all of, you know, Aitula Mealy and Chad Lewis, like you look at all of these great tight ends that we've had over the years and that that has been a focal point of the offense and we need to target the tight ends more and that's something interestingly that last year we a lot of fans said like oh A-Rod does not use the tight ends the way Grimes does and really and I went back and looked at it and it was in 2020 we had tight ends 18 percent of the catches went to tight ends 2021 same same exact number 18 percent Last year and this year, it's up to about 25%. So there's actually been an increase through three games so far of how many passes the Titans have been catching. Now, that's just a uh, that's just a t- completion, so it doesn't look at the number of attempts, which is also part of that f- equation. But the tight end usage is, is definitely, you know, it, it's been basically the same since 2020. And that's really since Matt Bushman left. Now, the big difference between 2020 and 2021 is that Isaac Rex had 12 touchdowns in 2020, and he had like three or four last year. And so the the number of scores makes it feel like there's not as much, but we also had Tyler Algier score 23 touchdowns, and on average, the offense as a whole scored two touchdowns less a game than they did the season before. So there's there's a lot of factors here, and nothing happens in a vacuum. But even when you look at the tight end usage, if you look at all of the years when we think of the great tight ends, you know, if you look at... 2006, Johnny Harlan's senior year. Who were the other wide receivers on that team? Mike Reed. Zach Collie, not Austin. Austin was still on his mission. McKay Jacobson was a true freshman, and I think he, McKay Jacobson was the leading wide receiver with 550 yards behind Harlan's 900-some-odd yards. In 2005, he had Todd Watkins, got drafted in the seventh round, had a little bit of a cup of coffee in the NFL. He did a good job there. But the... Overall, the wide receiver room wasn't that great. Then you look at you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when Dennis Pitta had his run. Oh seven, oh eight. Obviously, he had Austin Colley. and no, no doubt about that. That Austin Colley is, you know, he's the greatest BYU receiver of all time. The, but behind Austin Collie, again, Mike Reed was the best wide receiver that there was, and he, Mike Reed is fine. He was okay, but you go the number three receiver, there really wasn't. Nate Mickle, you know, again, then you get into 2009, you had, you know, Luke Ashworth, O'Neal Chambers, again, McKay Jacobson back from his mission. So the the number of like the talent at wide receiver on all of those years when we had a great tight end, a lot of it was because that tight end was, would, if they were a true wide receiver in playing as a true receiver, they were, or not even if you look at a wide receiver, if you just look at pass-catching threat they are a they would have been the second or third best and in some years like in 2009 Dennis Pitta was the best probably the best wide receiver on the team and Dennis ran like a 4-7 maybe the combine like he was fast enough to play receiver and so but when we look at this year like if you take a guy like Mike Reed or McKay Jacobson where would you put them on this year's roster, when you are looking at a six deep, and not, not too deep, I'm talking six, of Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney, Chase Roberts, Braden Cosper, um, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps. I would put Mike Reed, maybe around the Keanu Hill line, so you're looking at five or six, like Cosper, maybe Cosper out there, Roberts, Romney, and Puka, obvi- I would obviously Puka, obviously Romney, Roberts, but he's shown now that he's with some extended playing time that he's a better athlete than there. It's, so you're looking at, your, now you get into the tight ends. of your. Okay, so if you slot those six receivers, now where do you put in Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker? And being a tight end, part of being a tight end is you have to block. That's something Holker struggled with. His PFF grades for blocking, not that great. Like he was the worst of the tight ends that have played. And so if you're not going to block, then you are just kind of, you become a slow wide receiver and you are somebody that it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's, you have to be usable and, but also if you have other options that can stretch the field, because that's something too, that we're in the Robert and I offense, especially in that one when we think of the recent memory with Harleen and Pitta is, you know, We had Harvey Unger, Curtis Brown chipping in 60, 70 catches a year as a running back. That's also something we don't see as much anymore. We don't really complain about that as much. I think, I mean, I would like to get them more involved, but we also, when we do get catches from them, we're splitting them out wide a lot more. So it's just, it's a different offense than what we have done in the past, but it's not like the pass game isn't working. Like I would understand the complaint of we need to get the tight ends involved more if Jaron Hall's numbers were bad. If he was not completing, you know, a ton of his passes and he has struggled in the red zone. And that, you know, but then also I can think of two plays where play versus the Baylor play for two-point conversion in overtime to Isaac Rex and then Dallin Holker on the 50-50 ball last week where in the red zone the tight end weapons were not you know, what we'd hope them to be, but also in the red zone last year we flipped it to just pounding it in with Algier. And that's not a bad thing, it's just a different thing. And so there's different ways to skin it, and I've seen people say that, you know, the tight ends aren't going to want to come because we still have Isaac Rex. Ethan Erickson is a freshman. Reports on him out of camp are great. He's going to have a chance to step up now. Rex will be back next year because he's only a sophomore. Um, Unless he blows up towards the season goes on, maybe he looks at his age and tries to take his shot at the NFL. Mason Wake will be back as a senior next year. We've got Ethan Erickson there. We have Jackson Bowers, four-star out of Mesa. If you watch his film, he's great. He's coming in. We have Bentley Redden, played at the same high school that Isaac Rex did down in San Clemente, California, and he played receiver in high school. so very similar to Matt Bushman where he was a receiver in high school and bulked up, and he's six five, and he played at 6'5", 205, 210 in high school, and he's going to come back and put on 30 pounds, and, or 20, 30 pounds, and he's going to be a receiving tight end next year, and so it's the – there is no shortage of talent in the room, and so I think, obviously, there were some, it says mismatched expectations. I think there were some words that were shared that were probably not done the most tactful way by some of the parties involved, and I think it was clear that the best situa- that the situation regarding the playing time was not going to resolve itself because no matter what, I mean, it's Dallin Holker is fine. He is not Kyle Pitts out there. Where he is demanding, where he is not good enough to. If you look at the pass catchers, and you know, if you think, even think of two thousand nine, okay, we had Dennis Pitta. McKay Jacobson was the top wide receiver, but then you also had Dennis Pitta and Andrew George, and you had a lot of times where you know if we went four wide, usually that four wide was like McKay Jacobson, O'Neill Chambers and Luke or Luke Ashworth, and then Dennis Pitta in the slot and Andrew George as the tight end. We don't run a ton a ton of formations like that anymore because we have six wide receivers. Like we don't need to put a slow tight end in the slot because they are have really good hands and can run a crisp route over the middle. When we have Braden Crosper, who also has really good hands, but he's thirty pounds lighter and can run faster and can run a crisp route, but can also run it faster and beat is more flexible. At beating defensive backs, it's also an era where defenses are lighter, linebackers and safeties are better in coverage than they were 15 years ago. So as the games changed, the role of the tight end in college has changed as well. Now it's very different. If you look at the NFL, if you look at stats of guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. Their numbers were pretty ho hum when they were in college, but then they became the two best tight ends. Even Darren Waller, the Raiders. Their numbers were okay, but not great in college because they had other guys around them, and they were, you know, in an offense that didn't really feature the tight end, but they blocked really well, and they could catch, and so when they got the chance, the NFL came calling, and so that's not the, I don't think that the chance to show NFL potential is going to magically grow on a tree somewhere else in another program. I think that the tight ends are used fine, because our passing game is fine. Now, we don't, Run two tight end sets and throw a ton of balls to the tight ends because we have a lot of receivers now that we didn't have before, and so we have a lot of receivers who demand a lot of playing time. And this is probably top to bottom. This is the most talented wide receiver room in BYU history, and that just comes with the territory and is a very huge feather in Fessy Satake's ha- cap at building that um, building that position group. And so I'm not I'm not worried about the tight end position. I don't I'm not worried about the locker room, but I do think it is very telling. Um, you know, any time that you have a, if you kind of read through the tea leaves, that you had a player who was voted an assistant captain by his teammates to enter the transfer portal after three games in order to preserve a redshirt and give himself two years to play at another program. You know, when a captain transfers, that just, that rubs you the wrong way. When you have, you know, the graduate assistant who works with the tight ends, kind of make a comment about these are my guys and posted a picture without him in it you know when you have other guys in the position group kind of making comments of like hey like if we want you here or you know Kalani kind of mentioned like that we that we want the guys who want to be here and I know that's kind of a not like a, you know, one of the knocks about Bronco and recruiting is that he expected players to recruit him and, you know, only wanted guys, but you need guys in the locker room who want to be there. You have to have guys who are bought it. And how do we, and if you are someone who's complaining about targets after every game or being upset about your playing time or trying to go in and argue, I don't, you know, go and if you have someone complaining about playing time in the locker room, it doesn't matter who it is. That's that's going to be a bad thing and obviously if you feel that when you reading through the tea leaves if you say publicly that you feel like you want to go somewhere else that can better utilize your talents you're comp- you don't are not happy with the way things were done and the way you were being used and so if that's that's something that no matter what system you're in you don't want that in your locker room even if you had you know a fantastic tight end who could be an all-world player but you're stuck in running the wing T or the triple option and they're never getting used yeah, it's probably maybe it's true that they would, you know, in some situations, it's true that the the scheme is different and not the fit that you would hope it, hoped it would be, but at the same time, you can't have that in your locker room and have the attitude that will just be poison. It's just straight cancer to to a team and to a program. So wherever Holker goes, um, I mean, I don't want to say like once Cougar always Cougar, whatever. Like he chose what he wants to do he's doing what's best for him that's up to him I'm not going to be changing my channel to go out of my way to watch him wherever he ends up which is probably going to be Utah so and I don't go out of my way to watch Utah games anyway so if he does go and transfers to Utah uh, he will officially be dead to me because that's what happens when anybody transfers to the to Utah and you are not once a cougar always a cougar if you become a youth so Kyle Whittingham dead to me Devin Kifusi dead to me Dallin Holker, if you go to Utah, you are dead to me. Moving on to Wyoming preview. This game is interesting. I The line has been sitting, flirting around, like minus 22 all week. So 22 point favorite, three touchdowns is a lot. I don't like that it's 22 because that means you got to get, I mean, 22, 23. Those are weird scores. Who wins the game by 22? That's a, You have to have a weird, I guess, you got to score you know, a f- couple field goals and they have to have field goals. It's coming up with a 22 point gap is, is kind of weird. So I don't, I don't like that line. I also feel like it's really big and we may blow it open and could easily cover by 22, similar to what we did against USF. But the big thing I want to see this week is just running the ball. And that's not because of establishing the run, because that's what you need to do. You know, we've talked about that plenty of times on the show that I don't believe in establishing the run. I think it's a bunch of crap. The, you know, the teams when they say well teams that run the ball more have a winning percentage that's because when they're up big they just run the ball to be conservative in the second half okay and so I don't care about that but that has been the biggest struggle and biggest disappointment in the offense is the inability to consistently rush the ball you know and on the season about 40 percent of our total rushing yards so far on the season have come on four place against USF so that is through three games is not good Obviously, the Baylor defense is the Baylor defense. The Oregon defense has the talent, and they have a good front seven. They got obliterated by Georgia, which is a question mark. But then again, the Oregon knocked off and spanked Ohio State around last year, and then look how Oregon ended up versus Ohio State. So maybe he was an outlier, and maybe our performance was an outlier. Um, So thats I don't think we will see a front seven as good as either of those teams for the remainder of the season. And so this is the groove of, okay, let's get back into what we know we can do. We didn't run the ball great against USF. Let's get back into moving bodies and show that we can do it. And this is Wyoming is, I mean, they're in terms of a team. They're probably about as good as USF is. Um, They're ranked 83 in Massey Composite. So of the 50 different computer rankings that Massey has compiled, um, you know, from different Guys, online who are making these um, of the fifty different rankings, they average it out, and the Wyoming has the eighty-third highest average of ranking in there in S and P plus or S P plus now since uh, once Bill Connolly went to ESPN, they got sued by the actual S and P market. Um, they're ranked number ninety-three, and their offense is one thirteen, and their defense is ranked seventy-one. So the offense they really struggle to they are not a good they're not good at running they're not good at passing just they do not have a good offense at all so it should be a game where the defense can get a breather and the defense should hopefully force a couple turnovers Um, the defense should force a couple turnovers and hopefully be able to you know do some things to just make it not stressful and then on offense, 71 defense, they have given up rushing yards. So they, if you look at the raw numbers, if you look at it's, they're giving up about 125 yards a game, which doesn't seem like a lot. But then you look at their three and one, and they played Air Force, who was down forty, who was down forty players, including most of their starters. But Air Force still, you know, they moved the ball okay. Um, you know, they moved the ball okay, being Air Force. So that's kind of hard to hard to judge. But then also, if you look at how. They did against Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado only rushed for 15 yards, so it's I don't think their rush defense is as wanted as that. So much as I mean, Northern Colorado is not a even by Big Sky standards. They're at the bottom half, bottom quarter of the Big Sky. They're just not a great program, and so that's a game that they I kind of throw that out, and you throw that out, and that average per game jumps up to about. One seventy and they gave up almost two they gave up over two hundred fifty yards to Illinois in week zero, and that's kind of more the game that I would like to see happen. I would like to see us average about i want to see us average over six yards of carry just be consistently and I don't even care if we i i would prefer that happens without like a seventy yard run like I want to just consistently have beginning four or five six yards of pop just those very on schedule. Move the chain runs because that's what's really been missing. Like we've had, we've popped off a long one, we've or we get like a, ch- a good chunk play, but then we get stuffed to the line. Like we've just had too many plays that are stuffed. And I, you know, with Baylor being Baylor and Oregon, I'm not even going to go back and look at the Oregon tape. This is the week where I'll, I'll go back and look and say, okay, what is the offensive line doing? And this is where I'll dig in afterwards and rewatch the game to see, like, you know, is it. Is it Tyler Algier? Is that the key difference? Is the why you know, is the offensive line just what is out of sync? What is not working the way you're supposed to? Is it the timing that Chris Brooks Because when you or the lack of trust, right? When you're running the wide zone scheme and you're just saying like, hey, you need to be tracking your guy and plant your foot and go. But there's a lot of when you are blocking in a zone offense, of it's not just the guys in front getting out getting ahead on a body to push them around to block it's also making sure that the running back goes in the right spot and follows their track before they cut in order to make sure that they lead the defense to where the blockers are going to be so it's not just following your blockers you also need to create the opportunity to block for them right like if you if everyone's blocking one way and you run the other way that don't be shocked when you get tackled because you know when they're blocking you. And when in its a zone, like if you cut too early, you know where it had you stayed on your path, a linebacker would flow over and you could have, you know, whoever is working on double teaming someone that they can chip off, go up to the next level, and you have a head on that linebacker. But if you bounce it too early, now the angle isn't there, and so the linebacker may have a clear angle to you, to the running back, and the offensive lineman who's not as fast may not have. The angle to get a hat on that backer and so that is where you know and so those are the kind of things that is it what is out of sync something is out of sync with the offensive line and the running back group and it, it's it's not working and so this is after I mean we did okay we averaged I mean okay we averaged over eight yards of carry versus USF eight and a half almost but that was obviously had the 75 yard to puka run on the first play of the season and those things but it's when you look at that game when you look at Baylor, you look at Oregon, those are probably the two best front sevens you're going to see all season. Take it with a grain of salt. Hopefully, those teams continue to play great rush defense because, you know, that's what we want to keep seeing because that makes us feel better about ourselves, right? If we're being honest. And so I want to see just that consistent rushing against them because if we cannot run the ball consistently against Wyoming, that they're not very good rush defense. Then that is where we start to. I hit the. That's where the concern comes, right? And and I don't think it's a play selection. We're passing about two to one on rush to pass right now. Um, Like total attempts on the season, it's like 78 attempts passing to 70 rushing attempts or 70 non Jaron Hall rushing attempts. And then Jaron has 23 carries, but that 23 carries includes all the sacks that he's taken, that also includes any scrambles he's had. Um, which get converted from a pass to a rush and so even if you split those like 50-50 then maybe you're you're looking at like I don't know 90 passes to 80 runs so it's I guess it's not 2 to 1 but slightly over or not 2 to 1 but 60-40 um so it's like maybe about 60-40 pass to run I think that's good I think that fits you know fine especially cuz we've been doing better at passing the ball. So, I mean, we're playing into what our strength is, but I need to see that rushing defense just, or that rushing offense just start to get in sync. And so this is the game where it's like, if you can't do it against Wyoming, then before next Thursday against Utah State, that's where we need to sit back and we need to review. Okay, and we need to look back and say, okay, well, what's going on here? Because this ain't working the way that we expected it to work, and that's a problem for us. Um, And so... That's my big takeaway from this game is I want to see the defense. I, I want to see the defense just shut them down. Okay, it's, uh, We need the bounce back performance. Um, there was a lot of talk after last weekend you know, by Coach talking that it was guys, they didn't trust themselves. They played scared. They were over committing and over running things because they were scared of Oregon's team speed. You're not going to have that problem against Wyoming. Wyoming is going to be the slowest team that we've played all season. And so it's that issue will not be there. So I want us to just see consistent play on both sides of the ball and just a very sound game. So would you know, could they we cover? Yeah, probably. I I guess if we won the game thirty five to ten, that would be covering, but twenty two feels feels weird. Uh, and I also I always get a little bit nervous when it's a Mountain West team that's coming into Provo because I just even though this is weird to think about that. See, we left the Mountain West in 2011. 2010 was the last season. So, the will have spent BYU will have spent as much time as an independent program as we did in the Mountain West, which is crazy to think about. But you know, look at all the history of Wyoming back to being in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference. You know, in like the 20s, 30s, whenever that was created, and the number of times we've played them. It's just they always, you know, I just, it's always in the back of my mind that it's, they're gunning for us, they want to be, they're upset that they have to live in Laramie, they're upset that their uniforms look like literal crap, and they know that the entire state of Wyoming sucks, and they want to take it out on us, because they feel like we think we are better than them, which we are, and they, it, that they are going to get their A game. And it's, you know, Craig Boll is still, I mean, he came from NDSU. He's, he's still a good coach and he has been able to do good things. Very, He's been very consistent and has been, you know, Wyoming has been a pretty solid program under his watch, very consistent, you know, seven, eight, win team, one, nine, couple of seasons, you know, went to a Mountain West championship game. Um, but I think that is, you know, the big thing for me is I don't, Are we going to get caught? We cannot get caught thinking about last week. Like, we need to be goldfish. That's part of... I don't want to think about last week. You shouldn't think about it either. Just be a goldfish and focus on what we are getting and what we are going to do and what the game plan is. Like, we got to get Oregon out of our mind. We got to get the Dallin Holker out of our mind and just go out and play. And that's where we need to go out and play and just show that we are more talented. And we can play as a team, especially in where, you know, working together as an offensive line movement in run blocking, that's where it takes the most teamwork on the offensive part is getting the run game going. So that's what I want to see is just just the team and really just like see the aggression. It seems like the offensive line, we just, it's just been very meh to me. I mean, the pass blocking has been great, but there's just, you know, it doesn't seem like the... We saw last year with Tyler Algier, I mean, obviously Algier kicked those ball moving words. Guys are fired up and it's, they'd be pushing him and like they took pride in pushing the pile and getting those two, three extra yards and really moving the sticks. And it was every inch, like they earned every inch and we're proud of it. It just doesn't, there's not that feeling this year. So that's what I want to see. That is my, uh, you know, that is my big, you know, that's my, my big kind of request for this season for this game tomorrow that I want to see out of this group, and and I think we can see that. And my final prediction of a score is 22.5. I think the final score of this game will be 38-17. to 17. There's going to be a late score by them to push it up, and uh, so I don't think they quite cover. I mean, that puts Cougars winning by three touchdowns. I don't think they win by four scores. Four scores is tricky. Uh, but 38-17, we get the field goal monkey off our back and get one done, um, punch one through, and we will for sure on Sunday night be doing our post game. Um, we'll do a post game. Jeff, Jeff will be back. We'll get in. We'll do our post game uh, fireside on Sunday night. Uh, probably around. Uh, let see. We'll probably usually do them around 8:30. 8 8:30 Mountain. So kids will be in bed. You can go, sit out on the porch. Have a nice night. Join in on the Discord. So look forward to that on Sunday night. And until then, give them hell.